0: Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. Hey everyone, this is George Soto with Soto Ventures. Hope all is well. Today I'm with Keenan, who is CEO and president at a sales guy based in Denver, Colorado. Keenan, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing good.
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm actually at Node HQ. It's a uh, kind of cloudy day here in San Francisco, which is typically the part. Again, thank you for joining us today on the show. How's everything over there in Colorado today?
1: Everything's great. It was just snowing. Now the sun's coming out. The mountains are getting dumped on. So those of you who know me, I'm a huge skier, and I'm just one and a half days from up there ripping turns in that deep pile. So I'm a very happy guy.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, today I wanted to talk about your new book, Not Taught, which is described as a book that's teaching what it takes to be successful in the 21st century. And this is the stuff that no one's really talking about. Well, let's, Why don't we just dive in? Because I, I've been reading through the book. I'm inspired, number one, so thank you. Uh, for that, why don't we talk a little bit about the book and what what the vision was, and and you know what should be what should folks be thinking through as they're reading through the book?
1: Yeah, I, so, so that's a great question. There's two parts to that, and I'll, and I'll try to make them quick. The first one was sort of inspired me to write the story, or it came from was one day I woke up and realized, oh my God, the world is changing. Like we went from the industrial age to the information age. And that's no small order. The last age change we went through was 110, 120, 130 years ago when we went from an agrarian society to the industrial age. And just as then, when you needed new tools to be successful to compete in the industrial age, guess what? It's happening all over again. But for some reason, there's no one's really telling us this. No one, there's no infrastructure being built to help us out. When you left your agrarian society, you know what the number one skill change you needed? It was an education. So all of a sudden, the idea of education, public education, going to school, scholarships became huge because to compete in the industrial age, you needed an education. You didn't need education in the agrarian society. Well, for some reason, maybe this change is different for people or whatever, but they didn't realize, wait a minute, things are changing again. But too many people are doing what they did before, or what their parents are teaching them to do, and they're missing out. And that was the sort of the motive to drive this book. And that's what I want people to get a walk away from it that things have changed and what they did to be successful and the tools available to them and how they had to operate isn't going to, the way our parents did it, isn't gonna work. It's a whole new world out there.
0: Now, in the intro, you talk about if wishes were horses, right? And how you kind of, from my view, you you kind of had this realization where you were working now out of an office that used to be an upholstery, I think it was, upholstery mm-hmm. manufacturing?
1: Yes. You're actually reading the forward. That was Chris Brogan's forward. So that's what he was. Chris Brogan wrote the forward to the book. And I think what Chris is talking about there is, in the industrial age, you had these big manufacturing plants, right? And I think this one was a manufacturing plant for um, what does he say? What was it for weaving textiles, right? So you had a textile mill. Well now. That, that age is gone for the most part. It's been shipped overseas and they're doing it with computers and, and, and people don't do it anymore. And and so that, that that physical location is now a condominium complex because the world has changed. And I think what, where Chris was going with that as he wrote the forward was he really wanted to describe how fundamentally things have changed. You know, I also get the sense from the
0: book that, you know, this is about a, a, a paradigm shift. And it's not about saying, you know, I'm too old to, to adapt these new tactics or strategy. I'm, I'm too old to be on social media. You know, it's it, for me, it was like, you know, it really inspired me to think a, little, a bit out of the box. You know, what? how do you start to develop this mindset when there are perhaps uh, aspects of it that you're still actually trying to learn at a fundamental level? And here's what I mean. My father is 67 years old. You know, he's been an entrepreneur for quite a while. He runs a very successful business. And I tell him all the time, hey, why are you not using Twitter? Why are you not using LinkedIn? These sorts of things. You could really optimize revenue. And he's just like, man, I don't even know how to check my email, right? So how do we we start to think about this stuff in terms of mentally preparing
1: ourselves? That is a great question. And I think I even I call this out in the book. I think there's a generation of people, and I think they're 50 to 70, Who some of them, only some of them, who have achieved so much success doing things the old way, because they started in the old school, right? So they they got their momentum and built that foundation of success in the old school that they really don't have to change. That there's not enough runway left in their success or in their world that they have to change. So if your dad doesn't want to and he's already successful, yeah, could he make more money? Could he be more successful? Yes. But he's like, why? I'm 70, and I'm 67. In 13 years, I'm 80, right? I don't need to. But if you're a 37-year-old entrepreneur, or you're a, a 50-year-old who's still just a middle manager, or you're, a, or you're a 48-year-old who is not, is still just a manager, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I still got 20 years of this, and I just don't want to be a manager in 20 years," then that's where you have to grab a hold of this. If you either are in a position where you must get more, or you're in a position where you want to get more, then then you have to say, "I need to learn these things." It's going to have to start with your own personal motivation first.
0: And are there any like tangible steps that a you know um, that a person can start to follow? Like if if I'm sitting there and I'm going, "Gosh, you know, I've been wanting to you know start my own business," or or you know, you, you mentioned having the gusto to. <laughs> to, to go ahead and in, in the book, uh, you mentioned having the, the courage to go ahead and move forward. You know, what are some tangible steps that I can start to take?
1: So I think the first thing people have to understand is, is and accept is that it's changing. And because it's changing, the biggest fundamental change in, in the industrial information age is the access to information. Right. And that means information about you, information about your business, information about your friends, information about how you do business. I mean, there's nothing we can't get today where in the industrial age, information was heavily guarded, difficult to come by. So the first thing I tell people to do is just accept this information-rich world and ask yourself, how are you capitalizing on it? How are you adding to it? So, you know, the very first chapter is reach. And the idea of a reach is, do you have any? If you don't have any reach, you're done. And reach, as I described, is the ability to influence large swaths of people. If the only people that know what you do, or the only people that you can influence, are the people in your phone uh, speed dial, the couple of the people you work with, in your neighbors, you're screwed, right? In today's world, you have got to be able to touch and tap into thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, George, look, you and I have only met face-to-face once or twice, but we knew who each other were because of our reach, and that's allowing this to happen, and from this, other things will happen, and we will both benefit from each other's reach, and whether it's promoting my book or helping you with your leadership project or whatever, that's the the, um, the exponential growth factor that comes from reach that can be created today, where in the old school, we never would have met. We never would have met. This would not be happening, and so I think that's really the first thing I tell people is you got to figure out how to build reach and get your butt out there. Now, in terms of reach, thank
0: you so much for that, by the way. You know, I've thought a lot about it in the same way where I thought about, well, the more reach I have, the more influence. And, of course, with influence comes responsibility, right? And so I thought about, like, real tangible things that I can do to extend my reach. And one of those things was growing a a following on social media, right, Um, as a real thing. So if I was sitting there thinking, well, how do I actually start to to even build a reach, right, would you say – or build a system to reach an audience. Would you say that setting up uh, campaigns and starting to to create content and all these things online from maybe in my LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, even if you wanna use Facebook for business purposes, uh, are those some early steps that I can
1: start to to kind of deploy? Yes, yes. Look, one of the things at the center of this new way of being successful, these new rules to success is the creation of content in the sharing of content right so that, again in the industrial age because of lack of content the only way that I knew that George Soto was any good was your resume there was no LinkedIn you couldn't blog you know so unless you're one of the rare people that actually wrote a book and someone published it you were in nobody and so when you showed up into, into my world you came with a recommendation and a one or two piece of paper that said what you did and that was it so think about how hard it was to get to know how people – who was good and who wasn't and who was who mattered and who didn't. Now we have all of these channels that allow you to actually highlight what you know, highlight your strengths, highlight why you're good, and share other people's. So I, I respect George. I like what he puts out. I love his leadership thing. I'm going to share that. And my audience is going to say, ooh, I learned something from Kenan. Whether Kenan shared something that I learned or Keenan created something that I learned, I learned something from him. So I want to stay close to him because I'm getting better by being close to Keenan. The the new rules of success is if you can't share or teach stuff to people that will help them get better, you become more and more digitally obscure. You become less and less known. And there is going to be no room for people in the future who are digitally obscure. I, I have this saying, digital obscurity will be the plague of the commoner. And so that's what I mean. You you have to either start sharing your knowledge through these platforms like Twitter and Facebook and and Instagram or whatever, Uh, LinkedIn for sure, sharing your knowledge and or at the bare minimum be on there connecting with people and sharing other people's knowledge so they at least know who you are. You cannot live in digital obscurity or you're host. Awesome. Quick
0: quick, uh, question. Would you mind just quickly going through the kind of – table of contents or or maybe even at a higher level the different segments of the book and what should people be walking away with that is actionable and they can start implementing it day one
1: yeah all right so the table of contents the first one is reach as i said you got to have reach you have to grow reach reach is defined as your ability to influence live swaths of people that's why michael jordan he hasn't played basketball i think in 14 years but he's a billionaire pretty damn close because the amount of reach he has nike is still willing to pay him for people pay for reach so in this one you can actually build it you got to go get reach the second one is brand you second chapter you've got to brand yourself you have to actually think of yourself as a product and what value do i bring to my customer set and your customer set is the people that pay you to do stuff so if you're an accountant what type of accountant are you? Why are you good as an accountant? What is what is the value of your brand? And how can you articulate and promote your brand of accounting? Are you a creative accountant who saves people money and finding things that they didn't understand before? Are you an accurate accountant? You never make mistakes, and your level of mistakes is lower. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an accountant, but if I am one, I can tell you everybody's going to know why I'm a better accountant than everybody else. That's my brand, and then you got to promote the shit out of it. I I have a saying in here, in the 21st century, you have to brand you and then promote the shit out of it. Again, not okay to be digitally obscure. The next one is part of that promotion is you have to create content. You have to begin to create content that articulates your brand, that shows people you know what you're talking about. I mean, and they all come together. I started a blog in 2009 on sales and sales leadership. Within, now it's almost seven years, that blog then reinforced my brand as a sales leader and the type of sales leadership I employed and the type of sales leadership that I engaged in how I built sales organizations, which then increased my reach because sales leaders were reading it. They're saying, that's a good idea. I'm gonna use it. I've learned from Keenan and I went from having 50 followers or 50 readers to 500 readers to 5,000 readers to 30,000 readers and it just kept growing, right? So that's the idea, create content to build the reach, right? Another one is change, and this is one that freaks people out. Listen, in 19 – I'm going to butcher these dates, but bear with me, folks. In about 1960s, the average Standard & Poor's term, the average time a company stood on the Standard & Poor's 500 was 65 years. Okay, By the 1980s, it was 40 years. And now by the 1990s or early 2000 it's 25 years. Um, BlackBerry went from basically a nobody in 2000 to one of the biggest telecom companies in the world with a hundred billion dollar plus eva- um, market cap in like 2003 2004 all the way down to a nobody by 2010 11 or 12 right things change so fast so the next chapter in here is change you have to be a change creator in the industrial age you could be a change resistor actually change resistors were embraced um, but not now now there's a change resistor, change acceptor, or change creator. The only people that win in the, industry, in the information age is change creators. You cannot have to have courage. There is no room for people who are scared. There's no room for people who won't move. There's no room for hesitation. This is personal. If you want to be successful, you have to be willing to take risks. Put yourself out there and go for it. The next one is think. So that's chapter six. This one may mess with you a little, but I talk about a study from um, from IBM. Things are moving so fast, innovation is coming so quick. Companies no longer want people to do what they're told, right? There was a saying that that when I what I don't pay you to think. Well, there was some truth to that in the industrial age, right? They, they had very rote jobs. There was a small, thin layer of the, of the smart people up, quote, unquote, smart people up top who told everybody else how to do it, and you just had to do what they told you to do really well. The world moves too fast now. There's too much information. There's too many things going on. The, 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 the elite, if you will, can't do that. So now they're desperate for thinkers. They want ideas coming from everybody. They want to, they want to tell you what the goal is, and they want you to figure out how to get there. They don't want to walk you through the steps, It takes too long, it's too much work. So if you can't be a critical thinker, if you can't think for yourself, if I can't put something in front of you and you can't say, oh, I know how to do that, or I'm going to get it done, you're useless in the 21st century. No more room for robots. Because if you, if you don't think you're a robot, and guess what, they can actually hire robots now, right? So are we saying
0: oh. we have to be entrepreneurial <clears throat> within our daily lives and within our, our, our roles at our organization and stay agile?
1: Absolutely, that's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. Whether you go off and you, you're your own entrepreneur, solopreneur as a graphic artist, and you build reach to get customers, or if you're working inside of a company as a as a salesperson for someone, but you grow reach because you want to uh, prospect faster. I mean, Jack Kosakowski. Look him up, everybody. His name's Jack Kosakowski. He's a he's a sales guy for Acton. He's not the CEO. He's not the vice president of sales. He's sorry, Jack, but he's just a sales guy. But he has crushed it when he built reach he's built an amazing brand he produces content and everybody knows who he is which therefore brings customers to him he's one of the top reps that act on simply because of his awareness and what he's been able to do to draw people to it so that is exactly exactly right
0: do you think that and i know jack well he's a great guy i really like him out in, in arizona um do you think that it's a matter of or 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 this is part of it is that he's established himself as a category leader within the space that really understands the problems of his audience
1: yeah that's exactly what he's done he, he look he used social selling to help to help grow his his for lack of better his business right um his sales and then he said "Ooh, this works so then he started sh- remember i said sharing it with other people he started writing about it other people started learning from him saying oh wow i learned something from Jack. Jack's helped me. I want to stay close to Jack. And then that person retreat. And so his reach began to spread. And so when he tweets something, when he, when he puts something on Facebook, when he puts something on Instagram, when he puts something on LinkedIn, people see it and they share it. And so guess what happens when someone says they're looking for something that he sells, he's right smack dab in the middle of the conversation. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you want me to keep going or you want some more of the chapters?
0: yeah let's let's go I, I know we have a couple minutes here I'm, I'm loving the chapters
1: okay so after i said think the next one is learn how to sell and and basically the bottom line is guys this is a, so i talked about reach being the ability to influence people that think of that as your personal marketing reach but when i say here you have to learn how to sell to be successful in the 21st century that old adage is oh i'm not a salesperson i don't sell bullshit because if you have a if I'm telling you you have to be a change creator and I'm telling you you have to think and be an innovator, then how are you going to get someone to buy into your ideas? If you can't get your boss to buy into that idea you had, you're hosed. If you can't get a the product manager to add a new feature that you think is going to help, you're a hose. So if you can't get someone to buy into your ideas, if you can't get a VC to, to invest money in you, if you can't get people to do things for you, then you have no influence. If you have no influence, you're useless. You're never going to get anywhere. And the way to develop influence is selling. Selling is, is influence at a personal level. So you have to learn how to sell And in this chapter. I break it down pretty succinctly to teach people who aren't sellers, how to be sellers. The next one is people are going to be mad at this one. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Experience versus expertise. In, and that's chapter nine in the industrial age, we focused on experience and basically what we said is, Oh, he's got 10 years experience. And we made an assumption. That 10 years experience got me something. Remember why? Because I didn't have access to any information. I couldn't read your blog and see how you broke down a problem. I couldn't get information about you before. So I just had to go with your resume. Oh, he's been doing it for 10 years. He must be a badass. Not anymore. People are starting to get hip to it, and they want expertise. There are people with 20 years experience and only five years expertise. And there are people with five years expertise. um, I'm sorry, with 10 years expertise and only two years of experience. Expertise actually measures what you know. So if you're gonna be in the 21st century and you wanna be successful, you had better damn well focus on how much expertise you have. And don't ever come to my company and say, oh, I've got 20 years experience, that's why I'm good. I don't give a shit how long you've been doing the job. I wanna know what you know, how you learned it, and how you apply it to get stuff done. And that leads us to the next thing. Time versus results, chapter 10. In the industrial age, because we had all those rote repetitious jobs, because we're a manufacturing society, because they told us what to do, they were focused on time. I need to show up at eight and leave at five. And that's good enough for me, because when you got home, you couldn't work. Right. So when you're here, I need maximum production. So I'm focused on the time you put in because I can correlate that time to production. Okay? well, that doesn't work anymore. Right. People have started to learn because I can work from home. There are tools that they can find that I'm not even thinking about because there's so much available to them. They're like, you know, what? I don't care how much time you put in. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care if you stayed up all night. My only question for you is, did you get it done? Did you deliver? Did you meet the goals? And if the answer is no, nobody cares anymore. So all of you people who sit and say, oh my god, I'm working so hard. I'm busting my butt. I put in 80 hours this week. My next question to you is, what did you accomplish? And if you didn't accomplish shit, I don't care and neither does most people. And as we move further and further to the 21st century, the 21st century doesn't care either. The 21st century only cares about what you can deliver on. And if you're not delivering, they don't care how much time you spend. The next one is don't be boring. And this one's interesting. Look, boring is a reaction to fear. So what I mean by being boring here is the idea that says you're unwilling to put yourself out there you you blend in boring is camouflage you try to look like everybody else you know every single customer i ever have says man you are not your traditional consultant. yeah no shit right all the other consulting companies the big five and everybody like it yeah they're good and they know their stuff but their whole point is to not rock the boat their whole point is to blend in and look professional Well, what is that supposed to mean? Or to act professional. No, stop. In this world where there's so much information, everybody looks the same. You've got to look differently. You have to stand out. You've got to be willing to be different. And being different means you're not boring, whether it's from a personality perspective, whether it's from a brand perspective. But you can't be boring. You can't be boring. Uh, The next one is have fun and be happy. And and, uh, what's interesting about this one is this was one of the last chapters I added. And I added it because I'm such an intense guy and I was giving the impression that, you know, everybody needs to be heads down and kicking butt. And I, I sort of anecdotally said, be happy. But as I was writing the book, I went and did some research. And actually I learned that a gentleman by the name of Martin Seligman has done some research on this and actually found out that happiness begets success. Success does not beget happiness. And he had a study that showed that the people going into a particular sales job at MetLife who were the most optimistic, the most happy, the most um, uh, optimistic about what the world looked like and felt the best outperformed those who didn't, particularly those who even scored better on what's called a proficiency test. Those who were supposed to be better at the job did not perform nearly as well as those who went into that were far more optimistic and far more happy. So I I added that piece because I want people to know that, look, you got to get your shit straight. You, you can't be going in this thing. I'll be happy once I achieve success. No, you need to be happy now. And so I, I go, I actually spend a lot more time here on helping people understand how they can become happy so that once they're happy, the success will come along with
0: it. Keenan, are we talking about mindfulness and really being able to, as I sort of mentioned earlier, just really engaging in a paradigm shift that is even beyond sales tactics and beyond business success.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, you know, we're talking about generally being happy, right? We're talking about this idea that says, you know, um, what am I doing to be happy? Like one of the questions I ask in the book is I says, um, are you, are you, when are you happy? You happy when you're on vacation? Are you happy uh, when you're playing golf? Are you happy at work? Like when are you genuinely feeling happy? And a lot of people, it's when they're on vacation. It's when they're doing their, their weekends. Like, oh, it's thank God it's Friday. I can go have fun, right? I mean, the chapter is technically called be happy, have fun, right? If you're not having fun, you're not happy. If you're not happy, it sucks. So I walked through the idea of how you can incorporate more fun. I, I say, look, there are two types. There's three types of people. Those who don't have fun, right? Then those who have fun when other people create it, right? So – I'm one of those people like people want to be around me because I'm fun and they have fun with me. But then there are the people who create fun. And I say don't be the mosquito to the light of fun. Be the light. Be the person that creates fun. Be the person that's fun to be around. And then other people will be happy and they'll be having fun. And fun, you know, moves about. So, look, if you're not a happy person, you're not, having fun, you're not a fun person, I can't help you. You have to fix that. If you're going to be the one who at least is the mosquito, fine, but find the light and stick around it. But in twenty-first century, be the light, be the fun person, and then I I wrap. Oh, sorry.
0: I absolutely love that. Be the light, be the light, be the fun, be the source of positivity. I love it. Yes,
1: absolutely. And then the final, the final real big chapter is was a real important one to me, and I almost didn't put it in. in. In 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 hindsight, I believe it's one of the most important, and it's called deliberate learning. In the in it, the information age, has opened up so much information to us. I mean, how many times have you sat and talked to a friend and and uh, you have a bet and they're like, "Oh no, you know the the Baltimore Orioles won the World Series in '85." They're like, "No, no, it was the Kansas City Royals." And and when I was a kid, I'll bet you and we'll bet hundred bucks, but no one ever really figured it out because that meant we had to go to the library or we had to go find an almanac, and no one ever did it. Right now, it's now what do we do? We, we whip out our phone, and that bet is settled in half a second, right? So in the industrial age, the lack of information made it so hard to learn. The only place you could really learn is at company-sponsored events or going to school, like right, college, or if you're one of the most diligent people, you actually showed up in a library once a month, but no one ever did that. So learning was a lot more difficult. We sort of learned what we learned by the time we were done with high school, college, or postgrad, and then we just cruised the rest of the way. In the 21st century, the winners are deliberate learners. And what deliberate learners do is they take a personal inventory or stock of what they know versus what they're trying to deliver. I'm an accountant and I need to be this type of an accountant. What don't I know? Right? And then they build a learning path that says, I'm going to learn this, 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 in this, this year or this quarter because it will make me better at what I do. I'm not just going to learn haphazardly, I'm going to be very deliberate in my learning and I'm going to go out and absorb that information and make myself better at what I do. And I talk a lot about why that's important, why we didn't do it in the industrial age, why a lot of people still don't do it now, and what you can benefit, how you can grow by having a deliberate learning mentality. And that's the last chapter, because that brings everything else back together.
0: Yeah, just consistently learning, not thinking that you've you know kind of hit a ceiling uh, in uh, in in whatever you're doing. I love it, and especially with technology nowadays, really disrupting industries all over the place. I think this is incredibly important, Damon. Thank you again so much for joining me today. You know, a couple things. Number one, where when can we pick up the book? I know I've you sent me some. Um, so you know, a couple sneak peeks there, but you know, if I'm watching this episode and I want to pick up the book and I want to understand how to change my life, when if I want to, if I'm a sales leader or a rep and I want to understand how to break belief barriers so I can be the best at what I'm doing, where can I pick up the book? How can I listen and find your content? Do you have podcasts, social, Twitter, LinkedIn? How can we, how can we engage with you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. For my little commercial. So you can get the book is available now on Amazon. Here it is. Not taught what it takes to be successful in the twenty first century, people. Um, so you can get that on Amazon now. It'll be available on Kindle uh, January fourth. At least that's what they tell me. So fingers crossed. There is no audible version yet. Um, uh, based on how how well sales do, I'll add an audible version. So people buy it, buy it, buy it. And if I get enough demand, I'll make it audible. <laughs> then. Um, as far as finding me, I have a YouTube channel. It's a sales guy or Kenan. If you just go YouTube, uh, Kenan, you should find it. I have a, a podcast that comes out fairly regularly um, that takes a lot of my YouTube stuff and I put it into podcasts. You can find that on iTunes under a sales guy. And then you can find, I think all of that, it can be found if you go to a Sales guycom You can basically find everything from that home base, a Sales guy.com
0: so And I can hire you too as a sales consultant,
1: right? And sales coach? Yes. Yes, I'm not a coach. I'm not a sales coach. I'm a sales consultant. You can hire me, and basically, what I do is I work with companies as big as Verizon and small startups with the seed. And I literally uh, work with you on your whole sales engine. So, sales strategy, sales structure, sales people, sales process, and we build it. You know, we we figure out where the problems are because they're in one of those four columns, and we fix it and we get you driving sales back up in the right direction.
0: Kenan, I had one question. You said something that intrigued me. What is the difference between my sales strategy and my sales process? I know that's a, that's a long answer, but if you had you know one or two statements, what would those be?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So your sales strategy is how you go to market. It's where you want to point your sales team, right? So I may say um, my sales strategy for 2015 is to, to mine the base. I've, I'm a Fortune 50 company. I've got hundred thousand customers and I realized that I could easily squeeze 50 million hundred million dollars out of the existing base so I'm going to go after that's a strategy right the process is sales processes are everything from the sales process itself. Does it align with the buyer's journey? Another part of uh, the process is is the coaching process. What type of sales team coaching process do I have in place? How does my hiring process work? What does my onboarding process look like? What does my sales team evaluation process look like? What does my commission development process look like? I mean, all of those are the processes. They're the, they're the, the things that make the engine run smoothly because if I institute a powerful strategy I have a fantastic structure that enables that strategy. I have the best people in the world ready to execute the strategy sitting in that structure, but my process is a shit. The whole thing crumbles on itself. So, for the record, I came up with strategy, structure, people, process before Marcus Lemonis and the prophet. It makes me mad. He doesn't even have the strategy part in there. But I came up with that about nine years ago. I'm sorry, seven years ago. And what I found, and not, nobody's been able to argue with me since, there isn't a place within your sales organization, that that covers everything. You can't have a problem outside of those. You can't. So if you boil it down to those, you look at all four of those, you will find the problems to your sales organization, or you'll find the strengths.
0: Keenan, from a sales guy in Denver, Colorado. I kept saying Boulder earlier. <laughs> I apologize. Boom.
1: I went to school in Boulder. Mad love for my CU Buffaloes in Boulder, so you're not too far off.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we will be in touch. Have a wonderful holiday season. I just wanted to say, P.S., I love that you mentioned your three daughters at the in the forward of the book or the dedication section in the book. I'm all about family, so I totally get it. And uh, yeah, uh, to
1: 2016. How about that? How about that, baby? Thank you very much. I love this. You get mad passion. I love your enthusiasm. Don't go changing. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Thank you. Have a great one. You too, baby.